Good morning, City Church. This is City Church Together. This is the first day of May, the first day of May. It is Friday, May 1st. So I think it's obligatory that we join in. I hope you're feeling in sync today with the scripture because right now I just want to remind you that it's going to be May. All right. And with that, also quoting Justin Timberlake, I'm going to read the final four chapters of the book of First Corinthians. I'm sure maybe at some point Justin Timberlake has read the last four chapters of First Corinthians. In the meantime, this is a Friday podcast, isn't it? I just It just feels very Friday already. I do want to remind you that on Monday, Whitney Nato will be back with us, our staff counselor at the church, and she will be finishing up her conversation with Jacob Michael regarding gratitude in these times. So they did a ph- phenomenal job last Monday. Looking forward to hearing the exciting conclusion coming up this Monday. And then I will be back with you Tuesday through Friday of next week, back on our normal meditation on Scripture and prayer. Remember, we are reading 1 Corinthians to prepare us for our series in 1 Corinthians that we started last week. So here we go, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul writes, If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude or self-seeking. It's not irritable. And it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now, I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I wish all of you spoke in other tongues, but even more than you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongue, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in other tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For 
you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I don't know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So you also, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Therefore, the person who speaks in another tongue should pray that he can interpret. For if I pray in another tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the Spirit, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, how will the outsider say amen at your giving of thanks, since he doesn't know what you are saying? For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in other tongues more than all of you, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in another tongue. Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. It is written in the law, I will speak to this people by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Speaking in other tongues, then, is intended as a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in other tongues and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed, and as a result, he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God really is among you. What then, brothers and sisters? Whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, another tongue of an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. If anyone speaks in any other tongue, there are to be only two or at the most three, each in turn, and let somebody interpret. But if there is no interpreter, that person is to keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should evaluate. But if someone has been revealed to be another person sitting there, the first prophet should be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone may fear and uh, so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. And the prophet's spirits are subject to the prophets, since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the church of the saints, the women should be silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to submit themselves, as the law also says. If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, since it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate from you? Or did it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or a spirit or spiritual, he should recognize that what I write to you is the Lord's command. If anyone ignores this, he will be ignored. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in other tongues. But everything is to be done decently and in order. Now, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you, as most important, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say, there's no resurrection of the dead? Is there, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, afterward, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to the God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death, for God has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says everything is put under him, it is obvious that he who puts everything under him is the exception. When everything is subject to Christ, then the Son himself will also be subject to the one who subjected everything to him so that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will they do when they are being baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, then why are people baptized for them? Why are we in danger every hour? I face death every day. As surely as I may boast about you, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus as a mere man, what good did that do to me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses and stop sinning, for some people are ignorant about God. I say this to your, shame, to your shame. But someone will ask, well, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? You fool. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you are not sowing the body that will be, but only a seed, perhaps of wheat or another grain. But God gives it a body as he wants, and to each of the seeds its own body, not all flesh is the same flesh. There is one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. There is a splendor of the sun, another of the moon, and another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another star in splendor. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, sown in dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, 
raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. Like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now about the collection for the saints. Do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches on the first day of the week. Each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will be needed to be made when I come. When I arrive, I will send with letters those you recommended to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it is suitable for me to go as well, they will travel with me. I will come to you after I pass through Macedonia, for I will be traveling through Macedonia, and perhaps I will remain with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I go. I don't want to see you now just in passing since I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord allows, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door for effective ministry has opened for me, yet many oppose me. If Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear uh, while with you because he is doing the Lord's work, just as I am. So let no one look down on him. Send him on his way in peace so he can come to me because I am expecting him with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brothers, but he was not at all willing to come now. However, he will come when he has an opportunity. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Brothers and sisters, you know the household of Stephanus. They are the first fruits of Achaia and have devoted themselves to serving the saints. I urge you also to submit to such people and to everyone who works and labors with them. I am delighted to have Stephanus, Fortunatus, and, Achai uh, and Achaicus present because these men have made up for your absence for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, recognize such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla send you greetings warmly in the Lord, along with the church that meets in their home. All the brothers and sisters send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with all of you in Christ Jesus. And that 
is the final words of Paul in the, the letter of First Corinthians. City Church, go and multiply the gospel.